Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark chapter 1. Here we begin uh, the very, very opening scene of Mark's gospel. Um, and it begins maybe different than all the other gospels or what you might expect. Our lesson this morning is from Mark chapter 1. Uh, the first three verses talk about John the Baptist and his mission. Verse 4 is where we'll begin. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is the gospel of our Lord. Why'd he do it? While all the people from Jerusalem, while the surrounding countryside went out to Jesus, to to John, excuse me, to confess their sins and be baptized, why was Jesus baptized? Why was the one who has titles like Wonderful Counselor, why is the God-man who for 30 years led a sinless life in a sin-filled world getting baptized? Did he just wake up one morning, walk the 20-mile journey out to the middle of the desert to see what Cousin John was up to with all the sinners? Why'd he do it? I mean, step back for a moment and look at these very opening verses to Mark's Gospel Have you ever asked yourself, why was sinless Jesus baptized? Isn't baptism supposed to remove sins? It's an important question to ask, and it's one we'll answer this morning. But before we do, quick poll. This this past week, as I was thinking about our sermon message for today, I asked a handful of friends from our church um, why they thought Jesus was baptized. And the answers that they gave were not bad. Good answers, actually. Answers that have been given by Christians throughout history. Here's what they said. Three options. Option A, Jesus was baptized to identify with sinners. Option B, he was baptized to obey what God commands. Or option C, Jesus was baptized uh, to install him into his public ministry. Which one was it? Who was right? I'm going to make you pick this morning. How many think it was answer A? Jesus was baptized to identify with sinners. Raise your hand. Got a couple. How about B? Jesus was baptized uh, to obey what God has commanded. Quite a few more hands go up. How about C? Jesus was baptized to be installed into his public ministry. Okay. Let's take a look at these answers real quick. Think about this, all right? So option A, Jesus was baptized to identify with sinners step back and think about this. Didn't Jesus identify with sinners the moment he left his throne in heaven and was born of a virgin Mary? 
the moment he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in her womb, didn't he begin his humiliation and identification with sinners at that time? That can't be the only reason that Jesus was baptized, right? Or how about option B, what most of you chose to obey what God commands? You ready for this shocker? Baptism, is it law or gospel? Is it a command of God? Something that we do to fulfill what God says? Or is baptism something that God does for us? What did I say to our brother Garrett this morning? I said, what you're doing coming forward to be baptized is God-pleasing, right? Did I say because you're really obeying God and we're all glad you're doing it? Or did I say because God is love and here in baptism God gives you forgiveness, life, and salvation? Now, baptism isn't about obeying what God's command. And even if it was, let's pretend it was for just a second. Hadn't Jesus been obeying God for the past 30 years? So it must be C, right? To, uh, to take a look at his installation into public ministry. Well, read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and take a look at Jesus' baptism account there. And what you'll find is that Jesus and maybe John were the only ones that saw the dove, heard the voice, and it leads a lot of Bible scholars and, and Bible believers to think that, yeah, crowds went out to get baptized by John, but they might not have been there when Jesus was baptized. In fact, John may have been the only one to see him get baptized. And what's more is as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, what happens in the very next verse, which we didn't read, but the Spirit leads him out into the desert to be tempted. Not quite the celebration and installation into public ministry that you'd hope if nobody was there to see it. So why was Jesus baptized? Well, welcome to a very short but very important sermon series that we're going to have here at The Way for the next two weeks. The sermon series is called God-Man. And over the next two weeks, we're going to look at who the God-Man is, who Jesus is. And we're going to do it at a very, very specific time. We're going to do it before we enter the church season of Lent, before we look at what Jesus does. But before we look at what he does, we're going to look at who he is, who the God-Man is, how he was fully God and fully man. He was the only man who could ever live a sinless, perfect life because he was God. And he was the only God that could do what this God could do, and that's suffer and die for the sins of the whole world, because at the very same time, he was man. In order to learn about who this God-man is, we're going to look at two very important episodes from his life. Next week, we're going to look at his transfiguration. But before that, today, we're going to look at the curious case of Jesus' baptism. Which is even more curious when you step back and look at where Jesus was baptized. We said it in our baptism liturgy this morning, right? And we sang about it as well. There's many, many songs sung about where Jesus was baptized. In the Jordan River, right? Because Jesus was baptized there, Christians love the Jordan River. And in fact, we love it so much, we write tons of songs about it. We have tons of art and pictures for it. It's kind of become this mythicized thing, right? The Jordan River. It's wide, it's deep. And 
We have pictures like this. When we think about Jesus' baptism, we see him coming up out of the water, this big body of water with, with clear waters and bright lights. And this is even the picture from my son's beginner Bible, right? It's Jesus and his cousin John just hanging out on a bright day, water up to his waist. And if you were to go on the Israeli's government's website and their, their tourism page and look at a picture of the Jordan, you would see this lush, beautiful green water, the Jordan River, right? Well, I said Christians tend to mythicize it a little bit. Well, this morning we're going to do some myth busting. Uh, Just recently, I was reminded what the Jordan River looks like in most places because some friends of mine actually got to go tour the Holy Land. And well, here's the picture my friend posted on Facebook. This is what the Jordan River looks like in the spot where they believe Jesus was baptized. It's shallow, it's dirty, and it's quite muddy. A pastor recently told me about a documentary that Israel put out that stars its own prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. In the documentary, he goes throughout Israel, going to all the holy spots and the tourist spots and showing them off. And every time he comes to a body of water, the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, Benjamin Netanyahu takes off his shirt and jumps in. Except when he comes to the Jordan River. When he comes to the Jordan River, he actually makes jokes about how dirty and disgusting it is, and he doesn't go in it, as you can imagine. Well, because the prime minister knows what I found out in some research this past week. Consistently, the Jordan River is ranked 6, 7, or 8 on the world's most polluted rivers. It's dirty. It's got grime and muck It's a mess. And when you think about it, it's even more of a mess than we're picturing it. I mean, and this is nothing new. All the way back in the Old Testament, there's this wealthy official named Naaman who had leprosy. And he went to Elisha, the prophet, said, can you heal me? Can you help me? He's like, yes, go wash in the Jordan. And you know what he said? Yeah, I'm not doing that. Not going in. Picture it. This dirty river and And all these people are going to it. In fact, it's a lot muddier now because of what's happening there. All the people from the countryside, all the people from Jerusalem go out to be baptized. Can you just imagine, on top of the mud and the muck that's there, the spiritual stink and the moral filth that's washing off into that water. People went confessing their sins to John. They were looking to get him washed away in this river. They said, John, John, I know what Moses says about worshiping and remembering the Sabbath day, but I rarely do. John, I, I don't love my spouse. In fact, I don't like him, so I, I divorced him, and it's, it's not even biblical. They said, John, I haven't followed the fourth commandment. I don't, I don't really listen to my parents. John, I, I had an abortion. John, I... I don't give back to God like God says I should. I mean, just picture all of the mess, all of the grime that's coming off into the Jordan River. And yet people keep going to be baptized. Why? Well, we might not understand right away why Jesus was baptized, but why are people baptized? Well, that's a little easier. That's that's something we understand. People are baptized because Dirt covers our lives because mud is caked on our hearts 
and we're all stained. We all have mud stains covering every aspect of our lives, our spiritual lives, because there's something called sin in us that dirties us, that, that messes us all up. That's why we're baptized. That's why I love what Mark does with his gospel. Mark knows why we need baptism. He knew why he needed baptism. And so, I don't know if you caught it or not, but Mark skipped Christmas. Mark jumped right over the Christmas account, the mangers, the shepherds, and the angels, and Mark went straight to Jesus standing in the muck, standing in the mess of the Jordan River. And something happened. Here's, read it again. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Mark's gospel has this sense of urgency, immediacy to it. Just as he came up out of the water, heaven didn't just open up like a quiet little birdcage. Heaven tore open and the dove descended on Jesus. I don't think we should think of it so much like a feather or a leaf floating out of the tree, but this dove is dive-bombing on Jesus, descending on Jesus, because he has a mission. And his mission is to help Jesus with his mission. And now we start to understand why Jesus was baptized. As we look at the miracles that took place in the Jordan River, we start to understand why Jesus was baptized. Jesus was baptized, one, and he received power. You say, wait a second. This is, this is the God man we're talking about. This is true God and true man. He didn't need the Holy Spirit, did he? I mean, after all, he was there when the Spirit was hovering over the waters at the beginning, right? And he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Didn't he have the Holy Spirit with him? Well, remember who this is. This is the God man. He was true God, yes, did he need to have the Spirit? No, not in the strict sense. But he was man. And he was benefited by the Spirit. Scripture testifies about this. Isaiah chapter 11 says, talking about Jesus, the coming Lord, said the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him and listen to what the Spirit will do for him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 42 prophesying about Jesus, said this, Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Matthew's gospel quotes these sections of Isaiah, and just after them, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus himself says this, It is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons. Throughout the Gospels, we read of Jesus doing miraculous things by the Spirit, praying by the Spirit. The very next verse of our Gospel in Mark says, by the Spirit, he was led out into the wilderness. And Paul in Romans tells us ultimately who raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit of him who is the Lord. Did Jesus need the Holy Spirit? No, not as a God, but as a man. Jesus still received the gifts of baptism. He still received the blessings of baptism. Why? Because baptism doesn't just take. 
Baptism doesn't just take away sins. Baptism also gives. There is a give and a take to baptism. Talking about baptism, Titus chapters 3 says, God saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. In the waters of baptism, Jesus gives all of those who are baptized, including Jesus, a gift. And the gift is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus didn't just make use of the waters of baptism. No, baptism is more than just a sign. It's more than just waters. No, Jesus also made use of the very real, the very sure, the very certain promises that God gives in baptism. And that is, I will put my spirit in you. I will put my spirit on you. Jesus was baptized. Why? One, because he received power. But that's not it. Something else happened at that very pivotal moment as Jesus was baptized. A voice came from heaven and said this. He said, my beloved, my son, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The voice of God spoke to his son and said, you are mine. I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you. What benefit would the Son of God, would Jesus have had of listening to the voice of God? He was there when that same voice created the world. He knew that he had all things, including his God's approval. Why would he need to hear it again? Well, think about the dynamic that was found in this God-man of being true God and being true man. As a, as a God, the God He looked forward and he knew what awaited him. The beginning of Mark's gospel parallels very well with what happens at the end. At the beginning of Mark's gospel, we see that Jesus receives the Spirit. Heaven is torn open and God identifies him by saying, you are the Son of God. Well, same thing happens at the end of Mark's gospel. Something is torn open, but We see it's Jesus. We see it's the temple curtain that gets broken open and no, no longer separates people from God. We see Jesus, this time, the spirit goes out of him as he breathes his last. And we see someone identify him as the son of God, but, but not his father. It's a centurion It's a guard who stands at at the foot of the cross and as the temple curtain is torn in half, as, as the light goes and Jesus dies, he says, surely this is the Son of God. As a God, as our God, Jesus looked forward to this and as a man, what do you think he felt? What do you think he knew? Well, he needed encouragement. At the end of Jesus' ministry, John's gospel says that Jesus was troubled and he prayed. He said, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then in the only other time that a voice from heaven is heard, God answers and he says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. It's natural. It's natural before Jesus finished out his ministry that he looked to his father, that he looked to his God for encouragement. 
And it only makes sense that he would do the same at the very beginning of his ministry. And that is what God gave to Jesus in his baptismal waters. God gave him the spirit. He gave him power, but he also gave him love. He gave him encouragement. He gave him support for what he was about to do. And this is what he was about to do. Jesus was baptized. Why? Yes, he received love and support, and it was ultimately to have himself torn open for you. That's why Jesus was baptized. As I look at who Jesus is and I look at his baptism and, and what it did for him, well, I start to understand myself. And, and really, I start to understand my baptism a little bit more. I see the meaning that baptism had for Jesus. And, well, it helps me understand the meaning that baptism has for me. Can I tell you all a story? Um, I went to school to be a pastor for eight years, four years at a college and four years at a seminary. And even though you'd think I knew it right away, well, it wasn't really until sometime between the seventh and the eighth year that I was completely sure that being a pastor is what I wanted to do with my life. And each year had maybe some questions in and of themselves, but no year was more difficult than my first year in college. I still remember driving home uh, from Minnesota to my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and thinking to myself, do I really want to go back to school when break is over? I mean, there's just a couple things. For starters, um, school was hard. Studying Greek was a hard thing. Uh, School was very, very cold in the middle of Minnesota, in the middle of winter. Um, Another thing that factored in was for Christmas break, the girl I was dating at the time thought she would give me a breakup for Christmas right before I left. And somewhat more seriously, my family was going through a hard time. My parents were in the middle of a divorce, and I was just like, I don't know if I want to go to school to be a pastor right now. I remember driving home that six hours and getting to my father's home, and you know, we just sat down and watched a movie before we went to bed. Um, But as the movie finished, and right before we went to bed, my dad looked at me and heard the sad thing. He He didn't ask about how I was doing with the bad or the sad things. He just said, Matt, I want you to know how proud I am of you. I want you to know how much I love you. And that's really it. We talked about it a little bit, and then we went to bed, and I will never forget that short conversation. Did I know that my father was proud of me? Well, yeah, I hadn't really done anything to make him ashamed of me. Did I know that my father loved me? Yeah, we we talked on the phone while I was at school often enough, and we said it. But to hear him say those words at that time, at that stage in my life, as I started a new chapter in my life, it meant the world to me. Friends, if you leave here knowing anything, I want you to know just one thing. The same baptism that Jesus received is the same baptism that you received. The same blessing that Jesus got, the same gifts that were given to him at his baptism, those gifts were given to you at yours. 
Oh sure, the need for the baptism was different. Jesus was baptized to save. You were baptized to be saved. Jesus was baptized to be torn open for you. Himself torn open for you. You were baptized to have heaven torn open for you. No, the need was different, but the cause, excuse me, the effects of your baptism were the same. You received some blessings. You received some very amazing blessings and gifts. The power of God's spirit, the love of God the Father. You know, as I thought about our sermon text for this week and thought about all those people going down to the Jordan River, I, I thought about what, what would I have confessed to John standing there in the river. I would have told him, John, I, I haven't spent as much time with my son and my wife as I should have. I would say, John, I, I have been a bad Samaritan and I've walked past people that could really have used my help. I said, John, I, I got to confess that even, even though we're building God's church here, oftentimes I think about it as mine or ours. I don't know. If you went down to the Jordan River, what, what would you have confessed? Students, kids, would you have confessed that maybe you've been a bit of a jerk to other kids? Parents, would you have maybe confessed that you've been a jerk with the words you students, kids? Have, have you always been faithful with what you're supposed to do around your parents' house, helping out? Parents, adults, have you always been faithful with what you're supposed to do when you come to God's house? What would you have confessed? What would you have said? Just think of all of the things just collectively from this room that would drip off and run off into the Jordan River as you confessed your sins, as you were baptized. But then listen, because just as you came up out of the water, heaven is torn open. Heaven is torn open for you just like it was for Christ. Heaven is no longer bars and doors. Heaven is windows. Heaven is yours. It is an opening to God. And because of Jesus, your mud stains have been washed clean by his blood stains. And no longer do you stand in a river that is muddy and gross in, in your muck and your sin. No, you stand in a river that is flowing with the precious blood of Christ that means you're forgiven. And there's a voice. There's a voice that comes from heaven that says, you are mine. You are my daughter. You are my son. And it's you whom I love. It's you I am well pleased with. Think about that. Think about that the next time there's a voice inside your own head or a voice from the devil or a voice from anybody else that says, you're stupid. You are a mess up. You failed. You don't deserve to have the kindness. You don't deserve to have the peace, the hope that, you know, the Bible talks about. You don't deserve any of that. You can say, no, correction, <laughs> correction. Heaven is open to me. Heaven was torn open for me. And there is raining down a thousand I love yous from my father. That is who I am. I am a son. I am a daughter of the most high God. And it is with me that he is well pleased. Oh, and you receive power. 
When you were baptized, you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, the same triune God that showed up at Jesus' baptism, oh, he showed up at yours. The same Holy Spirit that descended on Jesus and filled Jesus fills you. The same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus so he could fulfill all righteousness now puts a robe of righteousness on you and empowers you to live a life of thanks, to do righteous things for Christ. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to go out and do everything that he did in his ministry, to heal the sick, to pray by the Holy Spirit, to proclaim the message of the gospel. That same is the one who gives you, is the one who empowers you to do kind things to others. He's the one who gives you the words to speak and the courage to proclaim the message, the truth of Jesus Christ. That power, that love, they're yours. You know, all, all of the friends from our church who I asked, uh, you know, why did Jesus get baptized? All of them did exactly what I did when I began studying this text for the week. They all go, hmm, that's a good question. I haven't, I haven't really thought about it that deeply. It's true. How many of us really consider ever before why the God-man was baptized? When it comes to think of it, how many of us consider very often why we were baptized? It's something that maybe we don't think about as often as we should. That baptism has gifts. Gifts that can be used daily because of what Jesus got you now have. A professor of mine who tried to encourage us to remember what our baptisms mean for us every day, said, what is there in your life to remind you of that? And we you know, tried to give really good answers like the Bible, friends, parents, relatives. And he said, how about this? How about something that matters every day is reminded to you by something you should do every day? And that's a shower. <laughs> every time you take a shower, you're reminded that the waters of your baptism are still running. They're running over you, cleaning you, giving you strength, giving you power, giving you the love of the Father. And whether you're in the shower in some of life's most messy places, whether you're in a church or you're in a place where you think God cannot quite be found, whether you feel powerful or not, whether you feel loved or not, know this. Because Christ stepped into that river you now step out of here with all of the good gifts that God gives you. May the baptismal blessings, may the baptismal gifts that you have been given rain down on you, flow through you. Let me pray, flow in you each and every day of your lives. Amen.